All right. Well, good morning. You ever had one of those moments in life where like your dreams came true and you didn't even realize it was a dream? Well, I'm telling you, kicking off a service with man in the mirror, I didn't even, have, I didn't even know I wanted that so bad and it was awesome. <laughs> we had Aaron lead it at our Asheville campus, Ryan Bailey at the West campus, the rest of us joined in with the worship team here. And I don't know if I'm more impressed by their ability, even to sing the backup vocals in that song were impressive, but I don't know if I'm more impressed with the, the music skills or with Shay's dance moves. I'm like, come on, I got to work some of those things out. <laughs> that spin move, I'm going to work tonight once all y'all are gone and get that down for another time. But uh, hey, it's going to be a fun morning. We're so glad that you're here with us. Can you believe we're already inside the two-week mark for school starting back up? I'm going to tell you, yeah, it's worth some applause. Parents are saying, thank you, Jesus. Praise God for the opportunity. Team Walters is a little more organic in how we approach life. So it's like, what do you want to do today? That sounds good. Let's do it. Go, you know. But man, this time of year, our bodies are aching for the structure that school brings about. So whether you're homeschool, public school, private school, some of y'all in here old school, whatever you are, we're excited that you're here and it's gonna be an awesome year. Can't wait to see all God does in and through each of us. Well, hey, we're wrapping up our series mixtape today and over the course of the last few weeks, we've had a number of different guest speakers and our speaker today is not a guest, but it is his first time here on the stage bringing the word on the weekend for us. Roy Jakes has been on staff here at Seacoast for about five years, spent the first two and a half years over at the West Campus with Pastor Ron and his team. About two years ago, he came here to the Mount Pleasant Campus to lead our marriage ministry. So excited to introduce him and wanna ask that you would join me in giving him a rowdy round of applause as he comes to bring the word this weekend. Well, chum on, huh? What a, what a great way to get our morning started, and uh, what a fun way, um, I'll tell you. It's a privilege to be with you this morning, excited uh, to get to bring God's word today. Uh, want to again welcome those of you who are joining us um, on the internet or from a distant campus. So glad to be with you today. Honored. I want to thank Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, and uh, Pastor Greg for the opportunity this weekend. Well, uh, I want to tell you a little bit more about myself real quick um, because I want to tell you maybe the most important thing about me. Some of you know me, but uh, maybe you don't know uh, the important people in my life. And so I just want to introduce you real quick to my lovely wife, Angie, who's here with us on the front row. Angie and I have been married for 17 years, and uh, she is incredible. This fall, 17 years in November, we're close enough, right? 17 years, and, uh, and she is just an amazing woman. And um, some of you maybe you heard Angie recently at one of our Married Life Live events here at the Mount Pleasant campus, and maybe by the time I'm done today, you're going to be wishing that she was back up here speaking rather than me, but uh, she's incredible. And then our kids, I brought pictures this morning of our four incredible kids. Um, there's Cooper on the far right and Colin on the far left. Those are my twin boys. They're seven years old. Then Cole down there in the middle, he's our, our five-year-old little boy. And then uh, we gave it one more shot to try to get the little girl in there, and God blessed us with an amazing little girl, Claire. Uh, she's my little Claire bear. She is daddy's girl. She is, uh, she's got daddy wrapped around her finger, and I've trained her well. If you ask her whose girl she is, she'll tell you daddy's girl. So she, uh, she is, she's an amazing, amazing person. So again, great to be with you this morning. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would say you enjoy looking in the mirror? Wow. All right. A couple brave souls. Most of us would say 
we don't enjoy looking in the mirror. Most of us uh, would say that's not necessarily the best part of our day because if we were honest, most of us would say when we look in the mirror, there are some things about ourselves that we see that we're not quite pleased with. And so we're content to just kind of check the mirror real quick, maybe check our hair, ladies check the makeup, and then hurriedly move on as quickly as possible to kind of get out of the, the mirror. The problem is, is that mirrors are all around us. It's like we can't escape the mirrors in our life. Uh, there are mirrors in our bathrooms to, to greet us first thing in the morning. There are mirrors in our bedrooms. There are mirrors in our hallways, our foyers. We get in the car, there's mirrors all around us, rear view mirrors, side view mirrors, flip down mirrors. We go to the office, every bathroom we walk in has a mirror in it. You go to the gym to work out, the one place people actually like to look at themselves in the mirror, but uh, surrounded by mirrors there. And uh, I'm sure ladies, I'm sure every lady in here today has a mirror probably in their, in their purse with them today. So the fact is we are a culture surrounded by mirrors. In fact, the mirror has uh, carved out its own genre in social media these days. We all know what the selfie is all about. The selfie where we uh, whip out our camera and we turn it on and we flip the, flip the camera around to take our own picture. The problem is, is apparently at some point we figured out our arms weren't quite long enough to capture the full length of what we wanted. And so thus came across the mirror selfie. Now, I don't know if you've tried this before, but for me, I'm not very good at the mirror selfie. Uh, the mirror selfie is a little awkward for me, and recently I had an experience with this where um, I was frantically shopping uh, for Easter for last minute, like all guys. I was shopping for my Easter outfit, and I was uh, in Steinmar here locally by myself without my wife. That's kind of a dangerous thing. And so I was in the, the, the dressing room, and I thought, I need to send Angie a picture of this to see what she thinks about it and get her approval. Now, guys, don't, don't act like you don't get approval from your wives for the clothes that you buy, Okay. So I decided, here we go, I just shoot, a, shoot a, a, a mirror selfie. And what followed was this incredibly awful, awkward mirror <laughs> selfie. Now, I don't know if you can resonate with this, but I don't even know where to hold the phone. I don't know where to look. Do you look into the camera? Do you look into the mirror? Do you smile? Do you not smile? I have no clue at all. And so... What I found out this week is I did a little bit of research is apparently I'm not the only person that struggles with the mirror selfie uh, whole, whole concept. Look, take a look at some of these other images I found. This, maybe you've done this before, you forgot to turn off the flash, that kind of ruins the whole, whole deal. This next guy, it'll take some of you a second to figure this one out. This next guy's trying to show off his guns, he forgot that the mirror was behind him. The old pushing up the bicep in the mirror, yeah. That one backfired a little bit on him. But then this next one, now this next one, I can think about three things that are happening in this picture. First, it could be that grandma's just short. Second, it could be that grandma has a chair in the bathroom with her. But I think we all can pretty much figure out grandma's probably going to the bathroom. And what else do you do when you're going to the bathroom and looking at a gigantic mirror in front of you except whip out your phone and take a mirror selfie? <laughs> so I think we can all agree that the mirror selfie is a little difficult for some of us. Um, and so this morning we have this whole idea that, that we're surrounded by mirrors and it's such a part of our world. But we said a while ago that most of us would rather just avoid mirrors. But what if, and here's the question I have, what if today that the mirror really is the thing that God wants to use to bring about change in our life. 
And what if the mirror really is the, the linchpin, the key to us experiencing the kind of growth and change that not only that we desire for ourselves, but that ultimately that God desires for of us, for, for us. And so if we're scared of the mirror, how are we going to ever see that change. So here's what I want to do today. I want to take a look at this whole concept of the man in the mirror from the song today. And we're not going to necessarily look at the whole song or the lines of the song. We're not going to even look at necessarily what the artist intended about the song, but we're simply going to take this picture of the man in the mirror. The idea that somehow the mirror is a tool through which by standing in front of it, by taking inventory of what we look like and how we live, that, that somehow the mirror can be an agent of change in our lives. And here's the question I have for us today. Is the mirror an effective agent for the kind of change that we really want in our lives? Well, I think the answer is no, and here's why. If you're following along with your notes, take a look there. Three problems that the mirror presents to us. Number one, not all mirrors are accurate reflections. You ever notice that certain mirrors reflect a different picture back to you? That you can look in several different mirrors and you can look completely different depending upon which mirror you look in? And sometimes this is intentional. Maybe that we all know the funny mirrors at the carnival or the fair that are intended to, to reflect a, a warped image back to us, and we laugh at that a little bit. But how many of you have ever looked into a mirror and clearly, because of the way it was cut or because of something about it, it clearly didn't reflect an accurate picture of who you were? Maybe it was a little bit shorter or taller or thinner or wider, whatever, but not all mirrors are accurate reflections of who we really are. The second problem with the mirror is that sometimes we see the mirror through different lenses. We all have lenses through which we see the mirror. Sometimes these lenses cause us to see things that we want to see. Sometimes we choose to, to, to project certain things into the mirror because we want them to be true. For instance, every morning I stand in front of the mirror in my bathroom, and maybe like yours, there are bright lights above me. And as those bright lights shine down on top of my head, as I look into the mirror, I still see a lot of black hair up there. <laughs> and then I go to the barber, and the barber starts cutting my hair off, and I look down, and I go, wait a second, there ain't a whole lot of black left up there. That doesn't, that's not an accurate picture of, of what I saw in the mirror this morning. Well, obviously some of you would say, maybe I see what I want to see in the mirror. But the fact is, is there are factors, there are lenses that cause us to see what we want to see. Sometimes we see things in the mirror, not that we want to see, not that we would choose to see, but sometimes we see things in the mirror that aren't there because of culture around us or because of experiences around us. Uh, this is why uh, a 16-year-old teenage girl who despite reality, despite how skinny and healthy she may be, and despite what everybody in reality would say she looks like, can somehow look in a mirror and see herself as overweight and develop an eating disorder. Because culture around her has filled her mind with, with images, and so through these lenses, she sees things in the mirror that aren't really there. And so the fact is, is these lenses sometimes cause us to see things that aren't there, and sometimes they cause us not to see things that are there. But these lenses distort our view in the mirror. The third problem with the mirror is that the mirror doesn't tell you what to do with what you see. Even if the mirror could be an accurate reflection, even if we're getting a great picture of ourselves in the mirror, then we stand there and the mirror is silent. It doesn't tell us what to do with the things that need to be changed. 
Even if we could see the, the deficiencies or the things in our life that we need to change, the mirror is lifeless and it doesn't tell us what to do. And so for those reasons and maybe others, I think we can see pretty clearly that the mirror by itself isn't a very good agent for the kind of change that we want in our life. And we obviously recognize that the mirror is just a metaphor for self-reflection and taking a look inside at our lives. And so the thing is, is, is the song would suggest that by starting with myself, by me looking at myself and, and taking reflection and taking account of who I am, that somehow I can get to the kind of change that I want. But because of the reasons we just named, I think we see that we're incapable of getting there on our own. The fact is, is, is the mirror needs something else. It's not that the mirror isn't part of the equation. It's not that the mirror can't be uh, an effective part of change, but the mirror by itself needs something else to come alongside of it to help us get to the place where we can get change and growth like we desire and that God wants for us. And what, we, what the mirror needs is the mirror needs a separate image. The mirror needs another image that we pair alongside of it that we put up next to it so that we can compare what we see in the mirror to what we see in the image. Now, essentially, the, the options for this image are two. We can choose, number one, to look at the mirror through the image of culture. We can choose to take a look at culture and what culture says about the way we're supposed to look and what culture says about the way we're supposed to live and the things that we're supposed to you know, the, the be about doing and the activities. And we can look there and then look at ourselves in the mirror and compare ourselves to culture. But I think most of us have experienced when we do that, it leads to some pretty dangerous places. And it leads to some pretty unhealthy places. And at a minimum, it leads to places where we never experience the kind of change and growth that we really desire. And so there's another image. There's a, there's a second image that we can choose to pair with the mirror. And if we will get this image, if we will choose this image, it will go a long way towards us seeing the kind of change that we all desire in our life. And that image is the image of God. What most of us are missing in our life, the reason most of us aren't seeing the kind of change and growth in our lives that we desire or that we say we would want is because we're missing a full and accurate image of God. We're missing who God really is and what he's really like. And if somehow we could capture this full and accurate image of what God is really like and somehow pair that with the mirror, then I think we would begin to see authentic change and growth in our lives. How many of you would say you desire that kind of change and that kind of growth? I think most of us would. So how do we get an accurate image of who God is and then what do we do about it? Take a look in your notes, three quick things that we can do to get this image. Number one is to take time to study God. Take time to study God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would say you know what a $1 bill looks like? Yeah, most of us would say we know what a $1 bill looks like. It's something that we handle on a regular basis. Now, I know some of you in the room, $1 bills are beneath you. You're high rollers. You're rolling fives and tens. But for the rest of us, the, the, the illustration will do. Most of us would say we know what a $1 bill looks like. And so if I were to ask you, for instance, what, who's pictured on the back of a $1 bill? Most of you would be able to tell me George Washington. I'll give you credit for that one, okay? 
Most of you would be able to tell me George Washington. If I were to ask you on one side of the $1 bill, how many times uh, the number one shows up to indicate on one side that it it is a $1 bill, you would be able to tell me four on one side, eight on two sides, four on one side. In each corner is a one, okay? Now, I have more to this illustration, but what's funny is in every service, I think the point has already been made. That here is a a, a dollar bill, something that most of us would say we know, something that we handle on a regular basis, and yet many of us are unsure of what really a $1 bill looks like. There are details about the $1 bill. I could go on much more difficult than that, and there are details about the $1 bill that I'm sure most of us have no clue about. We never even realized it was there. And so how can something that we handle and look at every day, how can we know so little about it? Well, it's because we're a culture that's really good at looking at things, but very rarely do we take time to really study things and know them. The same is true, unfortunately, with our relationship with God. Most of us have a looking relationship with God. We we look at him maybe on a daily basis, periodically, we've heard the Bible stories, we've gone to church, we've heard the sermons, and most of us think we have an idea of what God is like. But if we were to be honest this morning, most of us don't really know God. Jesus often had encounters with a group of people in his day called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were a group of people that their job was to know the scriptures and to help teach other people the scriptures. And often they would come to Jesus throughout the gospels and they would ask Jesus a question, and in one such case, we, we see in Matthew 22, the, these Pharisees come to Jesus, and essentially here's what they're thinking. We know the scripture so well that watch this, we're going to trick Jesus. Now, how many of you know this isn't going to go well for them? So they come to Jesus, and they ask Jesus a question. It doesn't matter. They, it's, it's throughout the scriptures multiple times. They come in this particular case, and they ask him a question. And take a look at what Jesus says to him. I think it says a lot about this point. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Essentially what Jesus is saying to them is, you may think you know God, you may think you've read about him, you may be able to quote the scriptures about him, but you don't really know God. And you certainly don't know the power of God because if you knew God and if you knew the power of God, you would be able to answer your own questions. I wonder how many times God feels like when we come to him with questions, it's not that God's afraid of the questions, it's not that God minds our questions, but I wonder how often God's just sitting there going, I've given you the answers already. I've already shown you. If you just knew me, if you you just really had this image of what I was like, and if you knew my power, you'd know the answer to your own questions. The fact is, we're really good at looking, but we're not often good at studying. So real quick, how do we study? How do we, how do we, what does it look like to study God? I simply want to say it, what this looks like is we immerse ourselves in the things of God. We immerse ourselves daily in who God is and what he's like. Maybe that's through Bible study and through reading God's word. Maybe that's through thinking about God, through meditating on what God's like and just intensely focusing in the quiet moments of what he's like. But let me highlight one area to you that I think illustrates this point that's kind of personal for me, and that's in the area of worship music. I love worship. I love what we do here. Uh, Worship on the weekends is just a highlight of my weekends here 
in our services. But not only here, in my week, I love worship music. Now, I know what some of you are probably already thinking, oh, goodness, he's one of those that thinks we should only listen to worship music. No, that's not me at all. In fact, if you were to look at my playlist, my playlist is filled with all sorts of different genres of music, everything from reggae to rap to rock, you name it, kids' music obviously is on there. But for me, in the moments where I listen to music, which is normally in the car going to and fro places, I often choose to listen to worship music because for me, immersing myself in worship music helps me get a bigger image and picture of who God is and what he's like in my life. And I'm not saying we have to do that, but I'm saying for me personally, I need to do that. Because throughout my day, I need this big image. I need this picture of what God is like and who he is. And I need to be reminded constantly of who he is in my life. And so one way for me is through worship music. So how are you immersing yourself in God? How are you really getting to know God on a daily basis? The second thing we can do, not only do we study God, the second thing we do is we take time to listen to God. Take time to listen to God. Now, there are lots of distractions in our world that keep us from hearing things around us. And, and the culture also has some things to, that, that they would have us do in terms of what we hear and what we say and what we listen to. And I think one of the examples of this in our culture, kind of a, a funny example for me, is the whole idea of daily affirmations. All right? Some of you now, if, you, if you're somebody that practices daily affirmations, don't get all nervous or anything, okay? Not about to tell you you're wrong for doing that. But there's uh, lots of, uh, in, in business and in seminars, lots of people will teach you how important these daily affirmations are. And daily affirmations are simply, uh, the, the idea is that we stand in front of the mirror and we, we repeat things to ourselves. We repeat positive thoughts positive, uh, you know, things about ourselves. And the idea is that if we can tell ourselves enough positive things, that then we can go out and, and we'll be more positive and we'll be more successful in the world around us. One of my favorite pictures of this is an old uh, skit from Saturday Night Live. Any of you remember back when Saturday Night Live was funny? Any of you remember, <laughs> any of you guys remember a character on there named Stuart Smalley? Anybody remember Stuart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stuart Smalley led a skit on Saturday Night Live, and it was called Daily Affirmations. And Stuart was kind of a wannabe psychologist. He wasn't licensed or anything. And, and Stuart would begin every show by standing in front of a full-length mirror, and the, the camera would pan in over his shoulder, as you see right now. And, and Stuart would look into the mirror, and he'd say, uh, Hello, Stuart. You're going to do a great show today because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, Say it with me. And doggone it, people like me. <laughs> and then Stuart would turn around and he would do his show. The problem with Stuart's show, if you remember, is throughout his show, he would waver constantly back and forth between like major depression and feeling horrible about himself and then coming back to trying to convince himself of how good he was with these daily affirmations. And it was just this great picture back and forth. I think it illustrates the shortcomings of daily affirmations. The problem with daily affirmations is that sometimes they're just not true. <laughs> no matter how much I try to convince myself that I'm good enough, smart enough, and that everybody likes me, there are days where it's just not true. And so if my 
my well-being and the health and, and the way I live my life is dependent upon me convincing myself of these positive thoughts. What happens when it doesn't come to fruition in reality? What am I left with? And so we have a different voice. We have a, a different uh, inner, uh, not an inner voice, not, not ourselves, but we have a different voice that we can run to and listen to, and that's the voice of our Heavenly Father. A picture I have of this is, is in my own household. I showed you earlier the picture of my, my boy. So you can imagine life with two seven-year-olds and a five-year-old. It gets pretty loud and chaotic in our house. And my five-year-old in particular, Cole, sweetest, one of our sweetest, I mean, he can be the sweetest boy in the world, um, of the time, I call, call him kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes he's the sweetest of our three and sometimes not so much. But Cole is ADD as the day is long. Some of you live with ADD people and you understand this. And so Cole, if I want to tell Cole something, I've got to get Cole's attention. And so often I'll call Cole, I'll say, Cole, come here. Come here, I want to tell you something. And he's off doing his own deal and acts like he doesn't even hear me. I say, Cole, come here. Come here. Come here, bud. I want to tell you something. And so finally Cole may he puts down what he's doing, quits looking at the TV, and he reluctantly comes over to me. I say, Cole, come here. Come here. Get up in my lap. I want to tell you something. Come here. And so Cole, he gets up, and I say, Cole, look at me right here. And Cole's all over the place. He's looking. <laughs> Cole, look at me. Come here, right here. Look at me. I want to tell you something. And so finally, Cole, he settles down a little bit, and he, he finally looks at me in the eyes. And I say, Cole, I just want to tell you something, buddy. I love you. And I'm so proud of you, and I love being your dad. And Maybe I'm affirming him for something he's, he's doing or something that I've seen him that day, but Cole, he kind of sheepishly, he, he you know, slumps his shoulders. He goes, okay, and he goes on back to what he's doing. But in that moment, Cole's heard me. He, he's finally heard me. You know, I, I think about that picture, and I have an image of our Heavenly Father in much the same way. That every day our Heavenly Father is calling us into this, this conversation. He's saying, Roy, come here, come here, come here. I want to tell you something. And, and I'm distracted and I'm busy. And, 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 and he's going, Roy, come here. Quit worrying about what you got going on. Quit worrying about what you're going through. Just come here. I want to tell you something. Come here. Get up in my lap. Come here. And if I'll settle down enough and if I'll finally look him in the eyes, he's waiting there to say, Roy, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. And Today, I don't care what you do. I don't care how you behave or whether you're successful or not successful. God, Roy, no matter what you do today, I love you and I'm proud of you. And let me tell you what I see in you, Roy. When I see you, I see, I see my son Jesus. Not because you're just like him, but because through his blood and what he's done in your life, I see you just like my son Jesus. And today, if you'll listen to me, I'll, I'll help you live your life. I'll help you figure out how to make this thing work. So then I can go on back to my business. But in that moment, I've heard from my heavenly father. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 30, verse 21, God says to the Israelites, he says, if they will cry out to him, he says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. How many of us would love to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father every day saying, here's what I think about you. Here's what I believe about you. No matter what the world says about you today, here's what I say about you. And if you'll listen to me, I'll show you, whether you turn to the right or to the left, I'll show you the way forward today. Guys, we have that opportunity every day. If we will put aside the distractions 
and if we will listen to our heavenly father. So we study God, we get this accurate image of who he is, we listen to God, we hear from him who we really are. And then what do we do with this image? What do we do with this full picture of who God is? We examine the mirror in light of who God is. We examine the mirror in light of God. That is that when we stand in front of the mirror, instead of looking into the mirror through the eyes of culture and comparing ourselves to what we're supposed to look like or how we're supposed to live, that instead we begin with God, we ask God, God, what do you want from me? God, what does it look like to be like you? And then we come to the mirror and we look through the, into the mirror at ourselves through the lens of God. And in that moment, we have the opportunity to step into real change. We have the opportunity to really see who we are, our deficiencies, our faults, where we need to get better, where we need to be more like him. We have an opportunity to see our wrong thinking, what the things that we say about ourselves or the things that we've believed about ourselves. In that moment, we have an opportunity to see ourselves as God sees us. And if we're courageous enough to stand in front of the mirror and really ask ourselves, God, who are you and what do you want from my life? Then we have an opportunity to step into real change. And the problem with this is, as we said at the beginning, for most of us, this is uncomfortable. For most of us, whether it's physically to just to stand in front of a mirror and really look at ourselves, or whether it's metaphorically to really look inside and to take reflection, this is hard for us to do. Because most of us are afraid if we look hard enough, we'll see things that really aren't that good. We'll see things that really need to be changed. And if we're honest, most of us would say, even though we want change in our life, most of us are afraid of the process through which change comes. But if we will stand in front of the mirror, and if we will avoid trying to, you know, just hurriedly move on as to not really look deeply and see ourselves as God sees us, then we have an opportunity to see real change. Lamentations 3.40 says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Church, can you imagine what would happen if you and I got an accurate picture of what God was really like? Of, of the full image of, of, of what he's like and how he lived and how he wants us to live. Can you imagine if we got a full image of what he says about us? And couldn't you imagine what would happen if we took that image and we began to see ourselves in light of that? A full image of God paired with a true image in the mirror of who we are. That's gonna lead to some important change. And when we change, we're gonna make a difference in the world around us. How many of you wanna see that change? Let's pray together. God, thank you that in this thing called life that you haven't left us to figure this out on our own. God, I'm so thankful that you didn't just leave us to ourselves in the mirror, but that God, through a relationship with you, through getting to know you, that you've given us an image that we can look into and really know you and really understand who we are in you. 
And so God, today, in these moments, and in these next few moments especially, God, would you give us a bigger picture of who you are? And God, may we hear from you in these moments, words of life and words of of transformation, words of truth, that God, if we'll take in, can change our lives forever. And so, Father, we just give you these next few minutes, and we ask you to come and to move in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.